So James is uh, in Nairobi right now. Dell's out of town, so you got me this morning. Uh, I'm Nathan. Uh, it's funny, we're going with every technical difficulty we could have, even the bottle of water. Oh, there it stood up that time. So anyways, uh, we're going to give a missions update this morning. Uh, my wife Gladys and I just got back from Nairobi, Kenya, where we were at for about five weeks, uh, ministering to the church there. And uh, today I'm going to share a little bit about, uh, about the church there and about what God showed us, showed me in that time. <clears throat> so, uh, Elephant, I talked a little bit about this on Tuesday, too, in the Mission Minutes. Uh, Elephant, it's a beautiful little church, uh, but they're still very young, very fragile. They're still growing. Uh, and yet, it's so beautiful to see how they are faithfully growing together, despite being from different backgrounds, different uh, tribes. They have different struggles and hardships, and how they are in unity despite these, the, these, these hardships and, and much op opposition, even. Another beautiful thing about Elephant is how desperately hungry they are for the word. I mean, it is so beautiful to see this young church that just, they, they just can't get enough of the word. And <clears throat> man, we got to be about that too. And they, they're also hungry for sound doctrine. In fact, as Jeanette had actually said to us, that all of Kenya is actually desperate to know Jesus Christ and to know the Bible. They just don't know where to go for truth because everybody's trying to sell them something there. And, uh, man, the truth is just a scarce and precious commodity, just as it is here. And they are surrounded by false prophets, peddling false doctrines, who prey on people who sincerely want to know Jesus. They want to know the word of God, but they lack the knowledge of God's word and the opportunity to grow in it. And these false teachers take advantage of the fact that the people have desperate needs in the face of what is often abject poverty, just poverty to the extreme, like we really don't know here. I mean, there are pockets of it here. But, man, we don't know. Replace, replacement theology, charismatic and prosperity gospels are everywhere. Uh, and this is a people that are, again, just trying to simply survive from day to day. And so these are very appealing doctrines. And even within our little church at LFN, many of our members there are still struggling with these types of financial burdens, too, and just daily survival in a modern but impoverished city. So we need to be praying for God's provision for them because it's really hard to focus on growing in a walk with the Lord when, you're, when your focus has to be on where your next meal is going to come from and especially when you have little ones who also, you don't know where their next meal is going to come from. Many of our church members are also struggling with issues within their families, but they're still <coughs> coming faithfully to be a part of LFN and, and their families are, are, have a hard time with this because they're not adhering to the religious or, or uh, traditional structures that they come from. And so some of them are even faced being kicked out of their homes or being disowned by their families simply because they believe the same thing that you and I believe, simply because they're, they're, they're coming to be a part of Living Faith Nairobi. So we need to be praying for them in that as well, right? And yet it is beyond amazing what God is doing in the body at Living Faith Nairobi and how committed they are to being together in fellowship and working together through shared adversity and simply just growing in ministry together. It's, it's so evident. And as we spent more and more time with them, it was profoundly clear to us that what God is doing at Living Faith Nairobi is very Christ. And, and it's very beautiful. And they are worth being invested in. They are worth us sacrificing of our time and of our money and of ourselves and our lives. Right? I mean, we had to leave our daughters for a month and a half. And uh, that was hard, you know. But, you know, it's, they're worth it. They're worth that investment. They're worth us going to get there to them. So <clears throat> that's a little bit about them. And my assignment in Nairobi over those many weeks was to invest and to help Living Faith Nairobi to better understand who we are as the church. 
uh, and how we fit into the Bible so that we can properly apply it to our lives. And so <laughs> I prayerfully sought God's guidance on how to teach some very deep topics to a very young church in a very short amount of time. Uh, and so I'm going to try and condense five weeks of that today <laughs> in this short amount of time. And just to make it simple and practical and applicable. In order to get there, though, we needed to flush some things out. And so some of the things that we, we studied and discussed and, and worked through in our time were in Nairobi were uh, who we are in Christ individually. That is, we discussed how we as individuals in Christ are called to be disciples. <clears throat> What's a disciple? Someone? We have many people who have been through discipleship here. Following Jesus, that's good, yeah. Yeah, yeah. A follower, so yeah. Uh, I'd, I'd also add a student. Right? We're a disciple is a student and a follower. And not just, you can't just be one or the other, right? Because you could be a, like my, my our, our daughter's a, a student in uh, Chris Miller's uh, kindergarten class, right? But she's not a follower of Chris Miller, right? But, but you can't also just be a follower either. Because if we're just followers and we're not students of the word, then we'll follow someone off a doctrinal cliff. <clears throat> Students... Sorry, 2 Timothy 2.15 says, To study to show thyself approved unto God, a work that needeth not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. So we are to be students, but we're also to be followers. Uh, John 12.26 says, Jesus says, If any man serve me, let him follow me. And where I am, there shall also my servant be. We're to be where he is. We're to follow him as he is. And Luke 6.40 says, Jesus also says, that the disciple is not above his master. We'll never be above Jesus, but everyone, every disciple that is perfect, mature, shall be as his master. So we are also called to be conformed to the image of Jesus Christ. In fact, my identity is no longer supposed to be in myself, right? It's not in who I was before salvation, but rather my identity is now meant to be in Christ alone. It's not in the tribe that I come from or in the socioeconomic class or, or station of life that I'm in. It's not in the color of my skin, this flesh that's going to be rotten in the ground probably in 30 to 50 years if the Lord doesn't come, if he tarries, right? It's, it's not in the social or political agendas of this world. It is in Christ alone. I am Christ's disciple, and as such, I am to follow him. I am to serve him alone, and I am to be more like him. I am to count the cost and to build upon the foundation that Jesus Christ laid with my salvation. And that applies to each and every believer here, just as it applies to, to the believers in Nairobi and all the world over, from Christ until now, from Christ until Christ, really, until his second coming. All right, so once we got down that our identity was in Christ alone, at, at Living Faith Nairobi, we next discussed who we are corporately. So first we looked at who we are in Christ individually, now we look at Christ, who we are in Christ corporately. Right? Together we are the body of Christ, one body consisting of many members, functioning in unity in our shared identity in Christ, working together to fulfill the great commission given to us through the great commandment and to love God and love one another. Right? What does Jesus say in John 13, 35? He says that, that the world, that all men will know that we are his disciples by our love one to another. It's critical. We are the church. We are his bride, his body, and his, as his body, this body does not function correctly if we are not all working together, if all of its members are not present and working together in harmony and in unity. We all have a part to play in this body, and as Pastor Sam often says, and <clears throat> I always remember back when I first started coming to, uh, to Midtown uh, about, gosh, 13, 
14, 15 years ago. Now, I was living in my truck, and I'm, I'm in a pew. I'm homeless. I'm, I'm, I'm sitting in a pew with another homeless man, a, a construction worker, and an, an insurance salesman. We're all sitting together as equals, as brothers in Christ, and we're all getting in the Word together. And I was like, this is a different experience than any church I've ever been in. And from the pulpit, Pastor Sam said that every member here is a, is a minister. Everyone here has a place in ministry. Everyone here is to be serving in ministry. And every member here is a leader. We're all to be leading someone, whether you're, you're Pastor Sam leading the church or, or Del leading the fellowship or, or Amon leading the kids in the home or you're leading someone in your workplace. We're all to be leading someone in Christ. And, and that struck me heavily, and it, it, I still hold on to that today. And, right, and that helps. That's, that's, a, that's a model for ministry, right? In Living Faith Nairobi, they are still learning how to do ministry. Just as many of us here are also still learning. The difference is, is that they don't have a Sam. They don't have a Dell. They don't, they don't have a James. Uh, they don't have a Chris Miller. They don't have a Deb Mulder. Well, uh, we, we keep uh, teasing Jeanette that she's uh, Deborah of Nairobi, and she needs to own that. So just be praying for Jeanette, okay? And praise God for Deb Mulder. But they don't, they don't have those right now, and they need that. We take that for granted often. So this is a big part of why we are sending teens to Living Faith Nairobi and teaching them not just how to grow in the word, which is critical, but also how to grow in unity together and how to do ministry together. That's something that they don't have. We, we just come into this structure that's already here at Midtown and we take it for granted. It, it, it's, it's important, but man, it's, it's awesome how they are owning it. Ken's there every morning early, setting up, wiping down the, wiping down the whiteboards, getting the doors open. Man, it's, it's beautiful. You know, the ladies are bringing in the food so that everybody has some, some sustenance and before they get in the Word. But being their growth in the Word is critical right now, and our assignment ultimately was to help them to better understand who we are as the church scripturally and how we fit into the Word. We next examined who we, the church, are dispensationally. So LFN needed to be taught <clears throat> how to have a dispensational view of the Scripture. That means, that means they needed to be taught how we are to view and study the Bible in light of who we are, the church, and so that we can see how we fit into the scriptures and apply it to our life. Because bad doctrines such as replacement theology are huge there, just as they are here, but they're very evident. And these doctrines come about from not having a correct and dispensational view of scripture, of the Bible. So, <clears throat> just so that we're on the same page, can anyone tell us... Uh, what replacement theology is in like just a sentence. And I'm asking because I know that most of us are going through Romans right now. And if we've hit Romans 9, 10, and 11 like the guys have, then we should know this. And this is also my plug for Bible study, guys. <laughs> Absolutely. Yes, that, that they we take promises and prophecies made to Israel, and we as the church try to assign them to ourselves. And it happens quite frequently. <clears throat> so what is a dispensation? Anybody? Sit. Huh? Go ahead. No. Absolutely. And I see that Farrell has it all over his shirt. He's got all of them on there. So, you know, if you really need to know later, it's right there. But uh, so dispensation, we'll just, we're just going to briefly look at this. It comes from the Greek word ekonomia, which simply means an economy uh, or a stewardship. <clears throat> the root word in, in English is to dispense. So we can look at it like it's given out, right? And that's probably the most apt definition for what we're talking about today. We see this Greek word, economia, used as steward 
in the parable of the unjust steward in Luke chapter 16, which we don't have time to go through. But if you go back through it later, you'll see that a steward is someone who has been given or a, a charge, who has been put in charge of someone else's wealth or affairs. For a dispensation, that's someone who's been put in charge of God's affairs. <clears throat> And again, we have classes and such here available at MBT that teach on this more broadly. And I, if you don't know it, I encourage you to get into it. <clears throat> so we're not going to go that deep on it here. But what we need to see is that God has dispensed or given out different economies or stewardships to different men and, and people groups over the ages. So what are a couple of those? I like to ask questions. It gets us engaged, make sure we're waked up, woke up. Yeah. Oh, okay. There you go. <laughs> sure. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We got. We got. We got Adam. Yeah. We got. We got Noah. Uh, we got. Mo, or we got Abraham and Isaac and Jacob and the patriarchs here. We've got uh, Moses and, and the and the children of Israel. And hey, we got us, right? The church. We've all been given jobs. Thank you, brother. Yeah. <laughs> that we didn't plan that. That was, that just happened. By the way, that was that was good. Okay. So so why is this important? to us, right? That, that's the question we always want to ask, right? Why is this important to us? Why was this Im important to Living Faith Nairobi, right? And, and how can we apply this to our walks, to our ministry, to our relationships with Jesus Christ? Well, the first thing that understanding dispensations does for us is that it will keep us from falling into bad doctrine it, and misapplying scripture. It will keep us from thinking that promises and prophecies that were given to Israel are made or meant to us, the church, this is also important to us because understanding the different dispensations and the stewards that God has put over those dispensations <clears throat> will help us to better study and navigate God's word and to understand our place in it. Equally as important, it will also help us to be good stewards over what God has given us to do now, here, today. Lastly, understanding the dispensations, the different dispensations, also helps us to better understand God's plan and to see that, that God has had a plan since the very beginning, just as he still has a plan for you and for me today in this moment. And this was critical for where the church in Nairobi is at right now, because replacement theologies are big there, and it is critical that they understand how we as a church fit into the scriptures, just as it is critical for us. Which kind of brings us back to what we talked about before, in that we have to be careful students of God's word. And that was the main thing that God kept bringing us back to in Nairobi. Over and over and over, y'all, we just kept getting asked the same question in different ways, and by, for different reasons, by different people in different places, both inside and outside the church, over and over. And that question was, how do we address all of these false prophets? How do we address all these bad doctrines, these terrible doctrines that are all around us? Right? And as Sam is talking about with us right now in Jude, how do we contend for the faith? Anybody? How do we? There you go. Right, Maria, the word. Take it back to the word. Don't make it about what Nate says or, or what Gladys says or what anybody else says. Make it about what God says. If they want to argue with God, they can argue with God. But if, it's, if, if we take it back to the word, then, man, we are doing what we're supposed to do. We must simply know and believe our Bibles. Paul tells us and tells the Thessalonians in 1 Thessalonians 2.13, <clears throat> he says, For this cause also thank we God without ceasing, because when ye received the word of God, which ye heard of us, ye received it not as the word of men, but as it is in truth, the word of God, 
which effectually worketh also in you that believe. It has effect in us if we believe it. But we also have to know it. 2 Timothy 2.15, going back to that. Paul breaks this down, and I think we, yes. So, (laughs) he says, he's speaking to his disciple Timothy, who's now a pastor, right? And he says that we need to, to study, right? We need to get the book open, and we need to get ourselves in it so that we can get in in us. We need to show ourselves approved unto God. It is God who we're trying to, to prove our, 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 our faithfulness to. I mean, yes, there's, there is proving that, you know, I don't get to come up here and, and be at a pulpit if, I, if I'm not showing my leadership that I'm in the word, right? But, but, but in the end, we have to show ourselves approved unto God that we are putting the time in to be with him, to spend with him prayerfully and in relationship through his word. And we need to be workmen, right? We need to put the work in. And note the singular tense on this verse, too, on thyself being a workman. Each Christian is responsible for themselves in this work. Like we, now, you know, my wife helps me be accountable. That, hey, just spend time in the Word. I try to be, help her be accountable. But in the end, it's up to me to spend time with my Father. It's up to me to spend time in the Word. And we study so that we as individual Christians aren't ashamed, both in this life and also when we stand before our Lord at the judgment seat of Christ. And we need to rightly divide the word of truth. There are divisions in this Bible that must be understood and applied correctly. And if we don't divide the word correctly and dispensationally, then we will never see the whole picture that God is trying to show us, let alone understand our place in it. And that's why it's important. That's why Living Faith Nairobi needs to know it, and that's why we need to know it. I'm coming off a cold, guys, so I'm like, all very dry, but when studying God's word, we need to understand what fits in where so that we know where we fit in there. And if we don't know how to rightly divide the word of God correctly, then we can very easily get off track, cause a lot of damage, and even come to disastrous or wicked ends. So let's briefly look at a couple of examples of this that are happening in Kenya right now. This was happening, this was like big news uh, when we were there, <clears throat> like uh, this was happening during the time we were there, just uh, a few hours away from us. All right, so this is Paul McKenzie, and uh, <clears throat> they call him the Melindy Cult. And on the surface, I mean, you can see he's Revelation 17. It says, apocalyptic themes and warnings about impending doom feature heavily in Pastor McKenzie's sermons. It says, taking the gospel to the world. I mean, to the world, they're just Christians, right? If it wasn't for the fact that there's a death toll now of over 300 the bodies that they've already found, and some 300 plus that are still missing, right? <clears throat> it says the number of people who died after a Kenyan pastor ordered his followers to starve to death in order to meet Jesus has surpassed 300, authorities said Tuesday, and the death toll is expected to rise. That's happening right now. All right, <clears throat> and I'm telling you, if, if his followers just knew the word, that this could have been avoided. And what's sad is there, there's still some in custody right now who are starving themselves to death, refuse to take food. I heard of two more that died this week because they're not, they, they, they really think they have to starve themselves to death to be the first to get to Jesus. That's what he sold them on. After, oh, by the way, he gave, they gave him all their money. Because when he got on the news when they were arresting him, he said, he said to the police, to the authorities, you're costing me 200,000 shillings a day. He wasn't concerned about the lives of the people that are dying. He was concerned about his money. And once they gave him everything they had, he didn't care if they died. So what did Paul McKenzie teach? Well, he taught 
that education is evil. And we don't have time to go through all these verses, right? But if you go through Proverbs, Ecclesiastes, over and over, you'll see that, that God doesn't say that. He says wisdom is the principal thing. That we're to get wisdom. We're to get understanding with all our getting. He says that medicine and medical doctors are evil. You go to Isaiah 38 and you can see men when Hezekiah is praying for, for God's healing. <laughs> Isaiah tells him, take some ointment and take some bandages and put some medicine on that thing. Right? Even in uh, Luke 10, the, 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 the Good Samaritan, right? What does the Good Samaritan do? He gets the guy off the side of the road. He takes him to the end. He bandages him. He gives him medicine, ointment, and oil. Right? Or Colossians, right? We see that Luke, who was Paul's companion, traveling companion, Paul, who did many miraculous healings in the name of Jesus Christ, had a physician who traveled with him to help him with his medical needs. How about starvation as a form of martyrdom? I'm telling you that all through the Bible, you don't see anyone starving themselves to death in some form of self-glorification for God. No, martyrdom in the Bible is when someone is proclaiming the word of God and they are persecuted for it. You see that with Stephen in Acts chapter 7. We see that with Paul and all the apostles who were martyred, right? We see that with the prophets of the Old Testament. It is not in vainglory. Or how about the end of the world could be predicted? Because a lot of these false doctrines start right there. They twist end time predictions. When Jesus says that heaven and earth shall pass away, but my word shall not pass away, but of that day, of the, of, the, of the end of the world, right? Knoweth no man, no, not the angels of heaven, but my Father only. You'd think that would be enough to get them to say, well, you know, maybe, because he told them that he could predict the end of the world. First he said April 15th, then he said sometime in June, which I guess we're in July 2nd now, so he missed that one too. But it's a little late for those 300 souls that have already died and the other 300 that are missing. How about this? Let's look briefly at another one, David Uar, <clears throat> that's happening in Kenya right now. So David Awar, he started out saying he was on a par with Elijah and Moses and Daniel, right? Now he claims to be the prophet Elijah, right? In fact, Gladys and I, our first Sunday there, we're sitting, we're, we're all jet-lagged, all wore out. We've got the guitar and we've got, the, we've got all this stuff sitting on the corner waiting for an Uber. And this lady walks by us and she's like, she's just like, may I help you? And we're like, help, help us? Like, what do you mean? And she's like, well, may I help you? Have you not heard of the one true prophet? Have you not heard of Elijah come to Kenya? You must come with me to church right now. And I, I'm telling you, if we weren't going to church, that if we weren't going to Living Faith Nairobi that morning, we, I probably would have followed just to see what she was talking about, what this lady was talking about. Turns out she's one of Awar's followers, right? And for Awar, man, thousands of people, you see this. How many people are following this guy? Thousands of people show up because he's been performing miracles and curing diseases and resurrecting the dead. He did try to make it rain once. That one didn't work out for him. I guess he couldn't, uh, he couldn't fake that one. <clears throat> this false prophet is charismatic, replacement theology, and prosperity gospel, all, prosperity gospel all in one. Before his crusades start, in fact, and this is when, it, when you mention it to uh, Living Faith Nairobi, they all laugh because they're like, well, first they laugh because I, I pronounce his name wrong every time. But, uh, but then they laugh because they talk about, he's the guy that they wash the roads for. Because before he can, get, he can roll his Mercedes Benz down the road, in Kenya, they have to wash and scrub the roads because he's that pure. He's that special. He takes prophecy from Malachi chapter 4, verses 5 and 6, and even a twisted prophetic view of what happens with the two witnesses in Revelation 11. And, and he twists this, right? In, in Malachi 4, it says, Behold, I will send you Elijah the prophet before the coming of the great and dreadful day of the Lord, and he shall turn the heart of the fathers to the children and the heart of the children to the fathers, lest I come and smite the earth with a curse. 
So he's like, I've come to you. You better follow me. You want to be smited, right? The problem is that they don't look at Malachi chapter 1, verse 1 and see that simply in the context, the burden of the word of the Lord to Israel, not to America, not to Kenya, to Israel by Malachi. It's really simple if you just open the word and start reading. They don't know. They don't know. And now he has some competition in this other cat, Stephen Thuranira, who says now he's come to, to replace Awar as the prophet Elijah, and that Awar can go be Moses. It's like kids playing dress up. Like, I get to be Elijah today. I want to be the prophet today. No, you were the prophet yesterday. It's crazy. The problem is, is that thousands upon thousands of people follow him and give him everything they have. And this is a people that have nothing to start with. And what's interesting about these two men is how they are fighting over this, right? And they're fighting over that they, they're self-proclaimed prophets, right? And they're claiming to preach the end of the world to the Kenyans as they, again, roll up in their Mercedes-Benz and ask people to give them everything they have. And how do they do this? By putting on big, charismatic shows and taking what are obviously prophecies to Israel and applying it to themselves by twisting Scripture to convince people who don't know the Word of God for themselves to just believe in them and, again, give them everything they got. But don't forget, y'all, we, we have them in America, too, and I, I don't want to spend too much time on this, but remember Harold Camping back in uh, 2010? A lot of us remember this uh, from Midtown because they they uh, he had the big billboards he took out on 71 Highway, right? First, I think it was, uh, first it's, uh, he did it in 1994, then 2005, and 2010, I think it was October 10, 2010, so it would have been 10, 10, 10, right? And he's like, the end of the world's coming. Cash out your, your 401Ks and your houses and... Uh, you know, sell your homes, and, and it didn't happen. Then he was like, oh, and that's going to happen in 2011, 11, 11, 11. It didn't happen again. And, and it, it would be funny if it wasn't for the fact that I remember seeing a news, uh, a, a news report where this guy in a van with his wife and kids was like, yeah, we sold our house, we sold everything, we gave it to the church, and we're just, we're, we're just waiting for the end of the world. Here in America, not 10 years ago. How about David Koresh and the Branch Davidians, right? He convinced his followers he could predict the end of the world and that they should build an army for God. Right? Based on the teachings of Revelations. How'd that end? In a shootout with the ATF and the FBI back in 93. I remember seeing the, the burnt bodies of the children. Right? How about Jim Jones, the Jonestown Massacre? Right? He was a former Pentecostal and charismatic preacher from Minneapolis who, who separated from the Disciples of Christ Church, but he went down to South America, right? And he was teaching his, his followers the socialistic, political uh, Jesus and mixed with scripture, right, to that he used to control his followers. But he served his own agenda, not God's. And after murdering a U.S. congressman, he, he had some 900 followers drink Kool-Aid and kill themselves. 300 of which, by the way, were children under the age of 17. Forced to do it. Because they didn't know the word. Because they followed. They weren't students. They just followers. How about the Heaven's Gate cult in San Diego, California? whose uh, leaders Marshall Applewhite and Boney Nettles, Toe and D, or D and Toe, nah, T and Doe, I think it was, sorry, claimed to be Elijah and Moses, just as Awar and, uh, and uh, Theranira do right now in Kenya. Make the same claim. Right? Only Ap Applewhite and Nettles, they appealed to their Southern California audience through New Age tactics, while, while Theranira and Awar seem to be appealing to the national identity of the Kenyans and their basic needs for survival. <clears throat> telling them they can fulfill those needs. And over and over, these wicked and pernicious men prey upon the weak and insecure for their own gain, for greed, for money, of power, and they misuse God's word and the sincere belief of God's people to do it. Those people that died in Melindy, 
they probably, I, I would bet, man, Dollars and Donuts, they sincerely wanted to find Jesus. They sincerely wanted to know him. That is a commitment to starve yourself to death to get to Jesus. They just needed some correct teaching. They just needed the word of God. They needed someone to go. And also, as it applies to what we're talking about today and rightly dividing the word of God, again, if most of these poor souls who followed these wicked and self-serving men had simply had a better understanding of Scripture and biblical prophecy and the differences dispensationally between Israel and the church, they would have seen these false teachers and these wicked doctrines that were anything but of God. And they surely wouldn't have given them all their belongings and followed these false teachers to shallow graves and places like Jonestown or the Shakahola Forest in, in Kenya. And this is why both Peter and Paul put such a strong emphasis on being sound in our doctrine and watching out for false teacher, espe teachers, especially in these last days. 2 Timothy 4, verse 1 through 4 says, I charge thee, therefore, this is Paul speaking to Timothy, I charge thee, therefore, before God and the Lord Jesus Christ, who shall judge the quick and the dead at his appearing in his kingdom. Right? The, the, the saved and the lost. Preach the word. Be instant, in season, out of season. Reprove, rebuke, exhort with all long-suffering and doctrine, sound doctrine. We have to be ready to preach the word and prepared to contend for the faith with sound biblical doctrine. For the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine, but after their own lust they shall heap to themselves teachers having itching ears. They just want to hear what they want to hear. Right? And they shall turn away their ears from the truth and shall be turned unto fables. They have itching ears. They want to hear what they want to hear and they make it all about themselves. And I'm telling you, if you look closely at every bad doctrine, it usually is always about that one thing. They make it about themselves. Even if I'm starving myself to death, well, to be the first one to get to Jesus, do you think Jesus cares if you're the first one or the last one? Just get there. And it's like that with all bad doctrines. I mean, what does a Calvinist say? Well, I am the chosen one. You might be, but, you know, no, I know I am. What does someone speaking in tongues say? Look at me. I'm so special. I'm, I'm the one who can, who can translate between angels and God. It's all about me. I'm telling you what, correct biblical doctrine is not all about you. It is all about him. <clears throat> but unfortunately, if we do not know, if we don't see the importance of who we are as God's children, and our identity being in Christ alone, and it being about him as his disciples, his bride, his church. And if we don't know how to rightly divide the word of God, then we too can start following false teachers who are twisting scripture out of context to fit their own agendas, which usually stem, again, from either money or power or sex or fame or self-adoration, and usually brings about disastrous adults. And this is, results in, this is how cults are made. This is how false religions are made. Even religions that claim they are Christianity, but are so far off and so far removed from the gospel of Jesus Christ that, man, in truth, salvation, God's Holy Spirit, they aren't within a thousand miles of that thing. The American Treasury, and I sent this TikTok out to uh, some guys uh, to our Bible study uh, a little while back, but this thing's like stuck with me, and it keeps coming up in, in my ministry as well. Uh, but the American Treasury, where the United States money is printed, uh, and processed and even destroyed, they have a global anti-counterfeit department where they search out fake money, right? And, and not just in America, but globally, because the American dollar, part of the strength that is attached to it is that, that even globally, that it is uh, you know, kept in check and counterfeiters throw that off and, and lessen the value of it. 
So they, but they don't study, what amazed me is they don't study like fake money. They don't study uh, the, the techniques that counterfeiters use. They don't study the types of ink or types of paper they use. No, what they do is they study the real thing so much that, they, that when a fake bill comes across their way, they can tell this doesn't weigh right. This doesn't look right in the light. This doesn't, this doesn't feel right. And I'm telling you, that's what we have to be. We have to know the Word of God so well. We don't have to know all these, these false doctrines and, 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 and the, the practices of, of these cults. Now, it's good. It's good to study. It's good to know these things. It's good to be able to, 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 to know apologetics. But, man, we just have to know the Word of God so well that when the fate comes across our way, we can spot that thing like that. And we are rich here at MBT. We are rich in the word of God and in the teaching of godly men. I have been so blessed by the men who have invested in my life here. I'm serious. I, man, so blessed when I think of all the men that have invested in my life here. That have invested in my children's lives. We are so rich. And unfortunately, though, like, much like our American culture, we are also spoiled. And we take this for granted, guys. And I want to say here again that, man, if we cannot take for granted the opportunities that we have for growth here at MBT. Even in our age group, it's easy to think, well, I'm, it's too late for me. I can't. No, it's not too late. You need to be learning. You need to keep growing. Growing in the Word is, is a lifelong process. I will be growing in the Word till the day I die, and I will never have it all down. I will never have attained, as Paul says. But, man, I'm going to keep working at it. Because, man, make no mistake, to whom much is given, much is required. And we have been given much. And I promise you, and I said this last Tuesday too, but, man, we will give account. Not only for what, what we know, but, man, what we did or did not do with the opportunities we've been given to grow here. I promise you we will hold, be held accountable for that. And so, man, if you aren't growing here, man, I'm telling you, that's on you. Because the opportunities are there. The opportunities for discipleship. For, and I know a lot of us are through discipleship. I know a lot of us here have done foundations or LFBI. But, man, if you haven't, wherever you're at in your growth track, man, get on it. Do it. Even if you're taking one class at a time. Even if you're studying. And, and be in Bible study. Be in study with, other, uh, with, your, with your brothers and sisters in Christ. And see what God shows you about, uh, about your life through his word and how you can apply that. And man, but you know, if you are actively growing here in God's word, then, then I want to challenge you in the same way that the Lord challenges me, which is, what are you doing with that thing? What are you doing with all of the knowledge that God has given you? What are you doing in his word? What are you doing with the opportunities that God has given you in his word? Because man, we aren't just supposed to learn all this Bible and do nothing with it. What a waste. We need to learn the word of God. Man, we, we, we've got to put the work in. We've got to study. We've got to show ourselves approved unto him. We've got to rightly divide the word of truth. Man, we have to love the word of God. It needs to be our lifeblood. It needs to be our daily bread. It needs to be our sustenance. It has to be precious to us. Not something we just take for granted. And I am guilty of it, just like every one of us. Did you spend time in the word today? Oh, I, I didn't have time. You know, I, I got up, had to get a kid ready for school. I had to get online for work. I had to... Whatever my excuse is. No, I need to spend time with my Father. I need to love the Word of God. And then I need to, we need to live the Word of God. Right? It doesn't matter how much Bible you know if you aren't applying it to your life, if you aren't making it real in your life, if you aren't letting God make it real in your life. Nate?
Live in faith Nairobi, and frankly, this whole world desperately needs to be discipled and trained in the word and in ministry. And they need brethren like us who are willing to simply get trained and then to go and to do the work. And I'm going to be redundant, but man, we do. Man, we need, faith fellowship needs to be a people who praise. And this is on the wall up at the sanctuary. In case you forget it here today, just when you're in service now, just, just look up on the left and you'll see it. It's there. We need to be a people who praise. Faith fellowship needs to be a people who prepares. Faith fellowship needs to be a people who gives. And man, faith fellowship needs to be a people who goes. This is, the, this is Missionary Sunday, right? Or Mission Sunday. I, I still am a little fuzzy on what the title is. But still, the point is the same, right? That's it. Man, we were blessed to have that opportunity. And, and we're so thankful. And we, we pray to be able to have the opportunity to go back again. So that's the message. But... Um, Let's get to know a little bit in the time that we have left uh, of uh, Living Faith Nairobi. So the women of Living Faith Nairobi, we have Shiru, of course we know Jeanette, uh, we got the twin here. Uh, we have Jean, we have Celestine, uh, that's her daughter Nema, uh, here's my wife Gladys. There's Salome, Diana, Lillian, uh, you know, they, man, these women, they're, they're working together and they're, they're studying together and... Man, some of them have, you know, again, they're, they're trying to get their businesses off the ground. Pray for that, please. Pray for, the, for you know, three of our ladies have, uh, have uh, if you can go back to the ladies, please, sorry. Three of our ladies have, actually, these three have all started businesses that, uh, recently, and, they, and they, need, they need prayer. Jean's about to start discipleship with Gladys. Uh, Celestine and, and Lillian are in discipleship with Jeanette. Uh, Diana's just been paired up for discipleship, too. Uh, Shiru's already through. I'm Miss Oh, and Salome's also been paired up. So pray for the discipleship. Pray for the provision that God's got uh, in their business endeavors. Pray for the family struggles that they are going through right now that are trying to pull them away because, again, the, the doctrines in their families, they don't understand it to the point where they want to kick some of them out. And I don't want to call anyone out straight, but uh, just pray for them. Pray for those struggles. They're real. They're real. These are our sisters and brothers in Christ. You can go to the next one, brother. So these are the men at LFN. And a lot of them, you'll see, man, you got... They're all young. They're all very, very young, right? Here's Ken and Sebastian, and there's Brian, right? Man, it's amazing what God's doing there. Like, Ken and Sebastian, Ken just finished discipleship. I think Sebastian finished this week, right? And, and Brian's just starting discipleship with Duncan. Pray for that as well. But, man, I see, we see three men who have the potential to be pastors here. But they're young, and they're still learning to do ministry. Right, and then we got all these boys, man. <laughs> man, you got uh, you got Nicholas, his kin's younger brother, and, and JP, John Paul, who's also his younger brother. And you got Dixon, and you got Josh, and you got Joel's over here, and you got other Joshua, man. And that, man, these boys hung out at the apartment almost every night, whenever we'd let them. Right? Sometimes I'm like, I gotta work, guys, and because I was working while I was over there. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> man. We just love them so much, man. And you got, you know, we also have our Swahili brothers, man. They, they, they only speak Swahili, uh, Ezekiel, and I can't remember the other guy's name. I'm so sorry. But, man, pray for them. Pray for these young men. Pray that, that Ken and Sebastian and Brian would invest in the young, in the, in the teenagers and, and really put a focus on growing them. Because as I told them and as James is telling now, man, in just a few years, these 17-year-old kids, 16-year-old kids, they're going to be in their 20s. They're going to be the men helping you do ministry. You've got to invest in them now. We have to invest in them now. James had them, and Rosie had them over last night. You know, they were all at the apartment. That was so sweet to get to say hi. Man, when we left, man, Joel, Joel was, man, in tears, hugging Gladys. And she was so hard on him. She, like, three times, he's like, this woman scares me. 
Man, praise the Lord. Man, that, that, yeah. So you've got to get to scare children and teenagers. I love it. It gives me sometimes too. Uh, the ne- next slide, brother. So this is Kid Town at uh, Living Faith, Nairobi. Look at these little baddies. Like, like a blessing over here, man. That's, uh, man. that's Josh and Joel's sister. And you got Nema. And there's their other two little siblings. And, and there's JP. And uh, here's teaching the kids. And man, that, that was, it was just beautiful. You look through the other side of the window. On our last Sunday there, she, she was teaching them. And it got started to get hot. And, and the little ones were just like, like fading out in the, in the chairs. But the, man, the older ones were just listening. And, and learning Christ, man, and it is beautiful. But we, we they need uh, help with the, the structure there, because it's really hard. Jeanette's been, like, taking care of the kids, so she hasn't been able to get in service and be fed, right? And so they, they need to be able to alternate those responsibilities, but she also wants to, to allow uh, the other women to grow and to be fed. So we need to keep praying for that, that, that everybody's getting fed, that, and that the children are getting fed, right? Beautiful kids, oh, man. Uh, next slide, brother. Baptisms at Elephant. We had two baptisms when we were there. Again, Lillian and Celestine. And Seth and I got to, to baptize them uh, in, the, in our little kiddie pool that was an adventure to fill up on the seven-story roof where there's not, you, they're not pumping water up there. It's like in tanks and you had to like, we had to run like crazy hoses just to make this happen. But man, the Lord was in it and, and it's beautiful that they're, they've just finished those in discipleship, and now they've, they've committed themselves to, to making that public declaration that they are going to follow Christ with their whole life. It's so beautiful, man. And there's a picture later on where even Celestine beforehand, she's just reading through her discipleship book on, on baptism, make sure she remembers and knows exactly what it is she's doing. It's just the commitment is so beautiful. Uh, next slide, brother. Uh, youth hangouts. Yeah, like I said, we were with them all the time. And Seth and JJ showed up that last week. We were there. We were playing a lot of games with them. We played so much Uno. Man, I'm going to tell you what. Uh, if you do go, just, just watch this dude because, like, he cheats like nobody I ever met in Uno. In every card game, he's just trying to look. But then the dude's, like, showing you his cards, too. And you're like, man, you got you to figure this out. But uh, <laughs> love Josh, man. And, and just the, the time that we got to spend with these kids and invest in them. And they got to invest in us, right? They get to invest in our hearts as well. Uh, uh, go ahead, brother. Just trying to make sure we're good on time. Evangelizing at LFN. Man, this is Ken. This is what I was saying. James actually sent this photo. This is him just uh, yesterday, their time. Man, sharing with, he said there were like 40 kids there, 40 people there at the youth hangout. That's a big thing. That's the big group that Ken's ever, he just finished discipleship. And he's there preaching the gospel to all these kids. Keep praying for this man. Keep praying that, that man, God will keep growing him and providing for him and his family. There's so many things that could, that could deter him from his walk, and yet he's so committed. Man, pre- and here's Brian right next to him, man. Keep the same thing. Him and Sebastian and Brian, man, it's, it's amazing. Uh, here's, uh, we were on top of the, the KICC building, the Convention Center building. It's one of the tallest buildings in Nairobi. You can see uh, all of the city. And I'm telling you, the gospel, people are hungry for it. Really want to, people don't, like here, you can get shut down real quick when you start those conversations. There, everybody's willing. There, here's, uh, here's JJ sharing with a lady, and Gladys is over here sharing with another couple. Man, and, 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 and you had uh, Seth was sharing with some German guys over on the side, and, and I had the opportunity to share too. And, but man, it, we, we like could have started a, a ministry on Uber drivers alone. I think we shared the gospel with 50 Uber drivers while we were there, captive audience. But they were all willing to talk about spiritual things, whether they were, they were receptive to the gospel fully or not. And a lot of them were caught up in their religion. So pray about that. They're caught up at, well, you know, we asked a guy, you know, uh, hey, are you saved? I think Seth actually mentioned this last, uh, last Tuesday. You know, hey, are, do, you know, do you know Jesus? And he's like, oh, we don't get saved. No, I'm Catholic. We, we just get baptized. 
there's misconceptions there. The doctrine just, it's not there. They need to know the word. But they're open to Jesus, and that's huge. The ground is fertile in Nairobi. And Bible study and discipleship in Nairobi. Here's Gladys with some of the ladies at their Bible study, right? You got Diana and Sullivan and Celestine and JJ here and Gladys. This is, Gladys had so many one-on-one -on -one conversations. The ladies were just like, can we meet one-on-one? -on -one? Like every other day she had a one-on-one -on -one conversation with one of the ladies. This is me being a creeper back at another table. Like, because I want a coffee at Java House and it was one of the, the only places Almond, you know, I won't get into that. But uh, here's Celestine studying her baptism uh, lesson in, in discipleship before baptism. And, and here's, uh, here's Ken and, and Sebastian. And I, I was trying to catch them in this candid moment where they're just discussing the needs of the church for the morning. They're prepping for ministry as the, uh, before, the, before service got started, man, and they're just owning it. And this is, this is the church right here, Living Faith Nairobi. So anyway, be praying for them. And uh, be loving on them and be considering to, again, pray, prepare, give, and to go. Okay? Love you guys. That's it.